everybody. Welcome to another episode. Episode number 200 of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. My name is Jeff. I'm one of your co-hosts. Joining me for uh, the 200th time is my other co-host, Mark A. Johnston. Welcome. Hello, Jeff. Uh, I cannot believe we've been doing this as long as we've been doing it and pretty consistently. And it's so funny when you think about, oh, yeah, you know, I do I do a show a week. And then after a while, you're starting to think about, wow, I wonder how many shows have we done? And when we hit 100, I was like, I never thought we'd make it that far. But here we are at 200. Uh, there's still plenty I need to talk about. <laughs> Your wife would agree. You, you have plenty to talk about. But now... <laughs> People can't see this. This is a podcast, of course. Uh, not a video podcast, but we are dressed up for the occasion here. Uh, yes. We're both in full jerseys. Got, uh, you know, you got the, the Mariners uh, road navy blue top on for some reason. I don't know why. You just wanted yeah, to trigger me. Favorite. Yeah, my Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, let's get right into it. We've got a lot. This is a special show. This is some uh, listener-created content going on today for part of the show. So... That's pretty exciting. You know, some of the messages might not be complimentary, but still, it's going to be fun. (laughs) That's great. All right. So let's start off. uh, We want to make sure that we don't uh, pull anything here on show number 200. So let's get started right with our BP stuff. Now, Mark, I think it's time for a rebrand. We're 200. We're 200 episodes in two strike noise. I think it's time for a rebrand. And I think MLB has helped us out. Oh, good. But what's going on? Well, uh, so I've got here in front of me, I've got the official release from Major League Baseball regarding game presentation, uh, best practices, and rule changes for 2023. Uh, In one section here, uh, specifically for video board displays, which is, uh, that applies to you and I, both, uh, you know, when when we're working, it says, if a club would like to display when a pitcher is down to his final toss over for fan engagement... Like a two-strike noise prompt. Whoa. They may do so. <laughs> so <laughs> I see a lawsuit coming. Well, yeah, that's a good point. But I was also thinking maybe we change our name to two throwover noise. <laughs> that just rolls off the <laughs> it tongue, really, doesn't it? really does. And all our merch, well, I mean, I guess it become collector's items and be worth more. But we've got a <laughs> warehouse full of merch that... Oh. Oh, yeah. You know, I have people ask me about that. And we've never even talked about it. Yeah, we've got all this merch in the warehouse, but we never we don't sell it. We just kind of hoard it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I also because this is show number 200, I did look up Webster's definition of 200 because this is what people do to when they're making a speech and they're just being lazy. Webster's defines well. Yes. Webster's defines 200 as the number between 199 and 201. Likewise, it can also be described as 199 plus 1, 198 plus 2, likewise 196 plus 4, alternatively 195 plus 5, aka 194 plus 6. I mean, it's a pretty long definition. It keeps going. If you can see where that's headed. Yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, if if you don't understand one of those, you're certainly going to get the next one. Yeah, and so this is uh, this is going to be our show today. We're just going to go ahead with the definition. We'll just keep going on that, oh, if that's um, okay. Boy, this isn't going to be one of the most highly rated shows, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Maybe the, the count will enjoy it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Please, uh, again, how many strikes? One, two... <laughs> Oh, there's some merch. We should put the count. 
you know, a generic count because we don't want to get sued yeah, by the street, right. but uh, counting noise. How many strikes of noise? Ah, <laughs> uh, Joe West. You know, I thought we were done with Joe West. He retired, but there, Joe West is in the news again. Cowboy Joe West, umpire that has umpired more games than any other umpire in the history of umpiring. He is spending his newfound retirement editing his Wikipedia page, apparently. <laughs> well, got to get that thing honed right. Yeah, and he was doing this quite a lot until uh, Wikipedia said, you're no longer allowed to edit this because you're just, <laughs> he's just taking away things that don't make him look good. Oh, brother. Kind of uh, creating his own narrative here. Let's see, uh, a couple of comments here. First of all, the name on the uh, account for Wikipedia that was correcting this page is Crew Chief 22. Joe Joe West was a crew chief and uh, his umpire number was number 22. Apparently he he corrected and removed a whole bunch of stuff and uh, basically said, I should know about these things because I was there. I'm Joe West. (laughs) Apparently somebody even emailed him and uh, he said, yes, this is, uh, it is Joe West. I am doing this. Uh, Wikipedia, like I said, put a stop to it and said, uh, we're going to revert everything back to before you edited it and you have been banned from editing this page. So. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Now, I've, uh, I don't have a page and but, uh, we wouldn't have much to edit if we did. What? <laughs> I don't know. When you listen to some of these phone calls today, there would probably be a bit to edit because there's some. <laughs> we've got some listeners that uh, might have been in the, the Navy at some point or something like that. But uh, Joe West getting a little bored already. Uh, let's see. Steve Cohen, right? Owner of the Mets. Making, I mean, everybody wishes that their team was owned by Steve Cohen, I think. But, uh, Steve Cohen. As the owner of the Mets, he inherited the Bobby Bonilla deferred payments uh, payment plan. Something very interesting here. Steve Cohen wants to make Bobby Bonilla Day a thing every year. Like, not just on social media, but he's got some plans here for uh, maybe doing something a little bit different. You know, I'm still uh, thinking about Bobby Bonilla Day, if I can get him. what What would that entail? I'm not, you know, we'd have to design it, but I'm telling you, it would be fun. We'd love to have Bobby do it. So, so I'm envisioning like this big ceremony on the field on July 1st. I got to so find a big piece of cardboard check. and really? a big check. I mean, it's got to be big though. You know, just like, and then let him figure out how to carry it home. Let's just have fun with it because it's become almost an iconic day. It's become, you know, something that just became viral. And so why not just go with it and then make enjoy it and and, uh, you know, make it fun. That's pretty awesome. So there that was uh, that was Howie Rose, the radio play by play voice of the Mets. He talked to Steve Cohen on the Mets up podcast about making this a thing. I think it's a great idea, but I guarantee you it's sell out every time. Hand Bobby Benia that big check every time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, maybe as a giveaway, you can give away a percentage of that big check. Oh, I don't think Bobby's going to be up for that. No, no. It's the, Bobby doesn't have to cover it. It's just the drawing. Hey, look, I, I have number 2534. I win one-tenth of one percent of, of the check that Bobby has. Or give a give away the big check. The banks, I've tried it. They don't you cash You got to avoid it. Yeah. yeah, they have to avoid it first. And then, yeah, give away the big check. 
Okay, well, things I've learned today is that we have a better sounding podcast than the Mets official podcast with their <laughs> that is hosted by their radio play-by-play guy and had the owner on. Quality of the content, it's a toss-up, probably. But sound quality, big, big W for us. Nice. I sent this to you earlier, Mark, and I also posted it on social media, but I can't believe it. The projected steals leader for the upcoming season. Now, this is with bigger bases, limited throwovers. The uh, the projected stolen base leader for the major leagues this next year is Ronald Acuna Jr. with 25 whole stolen bases. Oh, man. Times have changed. It really has. I mean, you know, when the game evolves, I think stolen bases, this might be a spur for me for more stolen bases. Space between the bases is minimally shorter, but there's a lot of really close plays trying to steal second base. And if you got fewer steps to take or fewer inches to gain, in the, as the case might be, I think that might spur it. Plus, pitchers can only throw over twice. And they've got a pitch clock, too. So everything's kind of rushed up. I think you're going to see more stolen bases. You know, you may be maybe predicting the future there, Kreskin. That may happen. Yeah. So what I wanted to look up, though, is 35 stolen bases for the entire year. So I used StatHead and, and looked up in a 30-game span, what is the largest number of stolen bases? Now, I thought about making this trivia question, but, you know, with the trivia question, we always say if the answer can be Ricky Henderson, the answer is Ricky Henderson. Well, the answer is, of course, Ricky Henderson. <laughs> that was going to be my guess. So from July 1st to August 1st in 1983, Ricky stole 36 bases. So that's one more in one month than the predicted leader for the entire upcoming season. Man, that's um, not even close. That's just insane. <laughs> it's a different game, man. When I saw that, uh, that prediction of 35, the first thing that came to my mind was the Harold Reynolds story. When, yes. you know, Ricky was hurt and Harold won the uh, won the stolen base crown for the first time anybody had done that in a, in a long time. And Ricky called him up and, you know, Henderson here. <laughs> but 30, 35 bases, Ricky would have had that in one month. It's <laughs> uh, classic. I was going to I was going to drink whiskey for this uh, for this show. You know, to celebrate and also to try and get back into that top whiskeys podcast list. Yeah, we haven't done a, a whiskey show lately. No, but it's a little early. We're recording this on, on Super Bowl Sunday before the game, uh, yes. which, by the way, though, just to show you how rounded this show is, Mark, we're going to make a prediction on the Super Bowl. Oh, OK. I'm. This is a stone cold lock. The okay. winner of, of the Super Bowl, I don't know what number it is, is going to be the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. There you go. Yeah, I mean, don't let it ever be said that we don't follow other sports. Everybody knows I'm a big football fan, so. <laughs> yeah, are you going to watch the Super Bowl today? I usually watch it. It's it's on. You know, we had so many parties to choose from that we, uh, I couldn't go, though, because it's, you know, show number 200. we got our own thing going on. Yeah, that kind of takes precedent. I agree. All right, let's get into our trivia for show number 200. Last week, I asked a politically charged question. Who was the last player to hit a home run in Major League Baseball while sharing the same last name as uh, whoever was the president at that time? Mark, do you have any ideas? I mean, there's not that many guesses here. Yeah, a couple, a couple came to mind. 
And one of them was completely insane. So I narrowed it down to another one. And actually, this is the name that popped into my head when you first asked the question. Okay. All right. I thought Bush Mm -hmm. and I thought of Homer Bush. Very nice. You're correct. Yes. Ding, ding, ding. Very nice. It was Homer Bush. Uh, He homered. Well, George W. was in office. Uh, We got a couple of correct answers. Brian Krause, I think he gets every one of them right. Maybe we should... Maybe we should have him write these because I'm getting tired of looking <laughs> uh, Brian Krause, uh, Dan Clark, Shane Swarznak, and somebody that just said they want to be they want to go by Ricky Sucks. Now I don't appreciate that. Well, that's not very nice. I also got a couple emails with the correct answer: All Eric right. Harwood and Andrew Avenson. Who was the first name again? Eric Harwood. All right. We've got some. We're getting some new listeners uh, playing here along here, so that's good. Uh, yeah. New question here. Uh, we will give you the answer next week, but you know, feel free to find out the answer and tell us if you know. Who are the only players to have won a World Series in Major League Baseball and a title in the NPB with the uh, in the Japan Series or the Climax Series, as they think they call it? Nice. Two players have done this. Yeah, I know one of them's a giveaway because. We did a whole episode on him for like a month ago, but uh, the other one's a little bit, a uh, little bit harder. I think. Go ahead and, and uh, if you've got an answer for that, go ahead and hit us up. We'll tell you how to get a hold of us on all of the medias at the end of the show. But Mark, what do you say we get into the main part of show number two hundred here? A celebration of the number two hundred. I'm I'm all for it, Jeff. Let's do this. All right. So before we get into uh, some of the phone calls that we had uh, left for us, I wanted to look at some uh, some numbers, the number 200 to be specific. So let's start with some batting numbers here. 54 times somebody has gathered, collected, or connected for 200 hits exactly in a single season. 54. Four times. The last one to do it was Jose Altuve in 2015. Ichiro was on that list quite a few times, if you could imagine. Yes, then, certainly was. Then I thought about how about 200 strikeouts exactly in a in a single season? That has been done 16 times by 11 players. The last player to do it was just last year. Kyle Schwarber had. 200. Well, I, I, I should say 200 plus. Schwarber had 200 exactly last year. But uh, let's see, Mark Reynolds did it thricely. He's the leader in the clubhouse with uh, three. Chris Davis, the, that's the CH Chris Davis, has done it twice. Chris Carter has done it twice. Uh, Joey Gallo has done it twice. That's a lot of strikeouts, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But now get this. Aaron Judge in 2017 had 208 strikeouts. He led the league. That's a lot of strikeouts. His on-base percentage was still 422. Wow. That is incredible. Wow. And and to be honest here, looking at at the 16 seasons where somebody has had 200 or more strikeouts, Joey Gallo has the lowest on-base percentage in uh, 2018 with a 312 which is not great, but it's, you know, that's more bordering around average, league average, than, than anything. In fact, he had an OPS plus of 109 that year. It's kind of weird to have that many strikeouts and still get on base that much. Uh, next, I thought about home runs. Now, obviously, nobody's going to hit 200 home runs in a season. I thought, uh, well, how about 200 exactly in a career? Five players 
have uh, done that. Josh Hamilton, Adam Lind, Bill Freehan, Oscar Gamble, and Don Mincer. 200 exactly. Congratulations. 200 career home runs. Yep. So then I thought, okay, let's go for stolen bases. 200 exactly. Six players have exactly 200 stolen bases. One, Jose Canseco. Oh, wow. Uh, our, our, uh, our buddy Daniel over at Pop Fly Art, uh, this uh, last week's release was Jose Canseco. It was. Yeah, and Jose, was uh, we, he got Jose to do it and did a, a Q&A on YouTube, is offering to sign them. So congratulations. More great work. Ken Griffey, senior, 200 exactly. Don Buford, Jackie Robinson, 200 exactly. And then Max Flack and Bill Hallman, who I am not familiar with. But uh, there's 200. Now I thought, okay, trying to pick out more that are 200. How about 200 or more triples in a career? Ooh, that's, that's getting tougher. Yeah. Eight people have 200 or more triples. Sam Crawford, Ty Cobb, heard of him, Honus Wagner, Jake Beckley, Roger Connor, Tris Speaker, Fred Clark, and Dan Brothers. All 200-plus mm. triples in a career. Now, what, Mark, besides all having 200 or more career triples, do all of these players have in common? Uh, I think they all played in black and white. <laughs> that, okay, well, uh, what else do all these players have in common? Uh, I I don't know. Uh, they're not all in the Hall of Fame, are they? Yes, they are. Oh, okay. All Hall of Famers. So, Mark, I think we have found yet another cheat code in baseball. Become the all-time hit-by-pitch leader. You're in. <laughs> yes. Automatically. Yes. Or have 200 or more career triples. 200 triples, automatic, automatic in. entry into the Hall. It is. We're breaking down the game here. We're making it too easy. All right. Another 200 here. This one I was curious about. On-base percentage. Obviously, you want to have a higher on-base percentage. So I thought, what about people that had a on-base percentage lower than 200 in a single season with at least 200 plate appearances? Yikes. I mean, I got to be on there somewhere. You get Well, I'm assuming you got to be a good defensive player, right? Because to, sure. to have... 200 plus plate appearances and your on base is under 200 you better be doing something spectacular in the and you're playing unbelievable defense or your uncle's the head coach yeah it's one of the one of the other so this has happened 64 times which was shocking bill bergen did it six times and was still employed Believe it or not, not a single member also of the 1899 Cleveland Spiders was on this list, which kind of surprised me. Hmm. The last person to do this was Brandon Wood in 2010. He had 243 plate appearances, a 174 on base. Wow. So uh, Brandon Wood. That is rough. Five years in the big leagues, a career 225 on base. <laughs> Not uh, not ideal. After that, it was Tony Pena in, uh, I got to believe that's got to be Tony Pena uh, Jr. Because it's in 2008. Yeah. That was not, that was not the, the Tony Pena we expect. But right. after that, it goes from 2008 to 1965. So there's a big gap there. 
in between these these players that did that. <laughs> uh, next, I thought 200 exactly hits in the postseason. One time. Only one player has 200 or more hits in the postseason, and they just happen to have 200 exactly. Any, hmm. I, any idea who that might be? Um, well, I'm going to go with the Yankees. Um, <laughs> Yogi Berra. No, I was expecting you to choose your favorite player of all time for the Yankees. Yeah, I, I couldn't go there. Yeah, it's Derek Jeter. I think yes. I think he holds every postseason record just about because he played so many times. Yeah, he played a few postseasons. Yeah, he did quite a few. All right, uh, let's look at pitching. So I thought, okay, exactly 200 Ks in a single season. Now that has been done 24 times. The last time it was done, Mike Miner of the Rangers did it in 2019. Boy, you know, since the 80s, uh, well, since the, the 2000s, it happens every two or three years. Let's see some names on here. Cy Young did it one year. Uh, Jim McCormick did it one year. Pete Alexander. Uh, Dazzy Vance. Don Sutton. Dennis Eckersley did it. Nolan Ryan. Dwight Gooden. Sid Fernandez. I mean, a lot of names here that we talk about a lot. Yeah. Uh, Zach Grinke is the only one on this list, though, that has done it twice. Because he's kind of, or no, I check that. Al Leiter also did it twice. I was kind of hoping uh, Grinke was the only one because he's kind of a weird guy. So we don't use the word you know, weird. He's unique. unique. Yes, he's he is a free Maybe, spirit. See, I, I I got a little tired of the whole weird label for a while, and so I asked people to start calling me eccentric. And um, I think you have to be you wealthy. Have have money. Yeah, yeah, yeah you got to be wealthy. For so that. that went out the window. Well, I mean, now you're a, you're a host of a podcast that has 200 episodes, so pretty safe <laughs> to say that you're pretty uh, pretty well to do. Yeah, that's that's these things are all about making money. Yep, uh, exactly. Uh, let's see. I thought about exactly 200 walks from a pitcher in a single season. So it has uh, been done a couple of times. So then I expanded it only a couple of times. Well, uh, so that is nobody has ever walked. 200 batters exactly in a single season. Uh, But they've walked more than that, including Amos Rusi in 1890 with the Giants walked 289 batters in a single season. Led the league, also led the league in strikeouts with 341. Uh, A lot of these guys that, that led the league in walks in this list also led the league in strikeouts. Yeah, these are guys that who are just rearing back, and it, it may cross the plate. It may yep. not, <laughs> but if it does, you're probably not going to hit it. Yeah, so, uh, and I did misspeak there. A- Amos Rusi, be, besides the 289, which is the record, also he is the only one to have a 200 exactly uh-huh. uh, in a season. He is on this list five times. He had 200 or more walks in a season. Wow. Now, he is in the Hall of Fame, though. (laughs) The Hoosier Thunderbolt is in the Hall of Fame. He only pitched for 10 years. Uh, Let's see, 246 and 174 record, 3.07 ERA. Lifetime, 1,707 walks, 1,950 strikeouts. (laughs) Also led the league in wild pitches one year. Oh, so he really was a rear back and chuck it. Yeah, I, I, this is impressive, though, that he's in the Hall of Fame with that. His arm had to have fallen off, and that's why he only played for 10 years. Man, no doubt. I mean, 
those had to be some long games too. Yes. Boy, let's see. 463 games, uh, 425 started, 393 complete games. So there were only 30 games in his entire career he didn't go the distance. Jeez. (laughs) That's, That's pretty good. Yeah. One familiar name here on the list of 200 or more in a single season, number 15 with 207 in 1886 for the Louisville Colonels, because there's no R in Colonels, none other than Toad Ramsey. Toad! Yeah. Nice. Toad Ramsey, if you missed it, that's six shows back. Toad Ramsey, quite a character. Right above Icebox Chamberlain, who uh, 206 in 1891. Uh, 200 wins exactly in a career for a pitcher. It's been done four times. You got John Lester, you got Chuck Finley, you got Tim Wakefield, and George Uly. All right, next, 200 or more wild pitches in a career. Oh, Rick Vaughn. Close, very, very close. Actually, Tony Mullane, who I, I don't know if they're related to Mickey Spillane, uh, 343 in his career. Second on this list, second on this list, Nolan Ryan. I don't know if you've heard of him. Oh, yeah, yeah. 277. Uh, let's see, other names on here we might recognize. Phil Necro, Pud Galvin. Uh, you just hey. talked about Pud a little while yeah. ago. Yeah. Old, old Haas Radburn and Jack Morris also on this list. Of course Old Haas showed up. Uh, next, 200 or more strikeouts in the postseason. This has only been done twice, and the answer is not Derek Jeter. It's not even <laughs> a Yankee, believe it or not. Oh, wow. And they're both still pitching. Any guesses? Kershaw? There's number one. Well, he's number two, but there's one of two. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. As soon as I tell you, you'll go, of course. So Kershaw has 213 career strikeouts in the postseason. Justin Verlander has oh, 230. Sure. Yeah. That, yeah, I could have got that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Once you uh, once you heard that, that was, uh, was going to be it. So there's... Man. There is some uh, some two hundred the celebration of the of the number two hundred looking back on baseball history. All right, Mark, uh, we've got a phone number. Uh, we've had it for a month or so now. We've been asking our listeners if they want to give us a call. I ask a couple of questions on the uh, if you call, you get a recorded message from us. A couple of questions. Uh, one, give us a couple of players. We'll tell you who's better. I'm not going to tell you how. We're uh, well. I'll tell you here in a minute how. We know which is better, but uh, that and also if you could go and watch a game at any stadium throughout history of the history of baseball, where would it be? So, Mark, we've got some uh, we got some people that replied to us. Right on. Uh, We have apparently some some angry listeners. (laughs) But uh, let's get to this first. Now, none of these are me. Just let me tell you, because I have, you know. Every now and then I'll throw a voice on the podcast to do a little timey radio or, uh, you know, I'll let you I'll let you look behind the curtain here. The the theme song to second best. That is me. Yes. Now, I'm, I'm sure that believe it or not, everybody's like, well, of course it was you. All right. So here is uh, here is number one. Now, this one, I'm a little suspicious that this might be an inside job. You both suck. I can get better baseball information by wiping my Go to hell. Now, was that, that wasn't you, though, right? <laughs> that was not me. <laughs> that was, no, that was not me either. Um, oh, God, that's funny. 
<laughs> so, okay. I mean, <laughs> there are some similar ones. Uh, we'll, we'll get to one here in a little bit. But uh, there's they didn't really answer or ask us any questions. Uh, that was more of a... It sounds like a feedback line. Yeah, I mean, the... We're just going to move on. <laughs> that is my new ringtone, though, by the way. So. That's All right. awesome. Next, uh, here we got uh, another call right here. Yeah, hey, it is. I got a question for you. Uh, so two players I want to compare are uh, Kevin Brown and Kevin Romine. They both have the seven, that's uh, the Kevin name. So that makes them similar, right? Yeah, hey, thanks a lot. I'll talk to you later. Now that one I kind of think might be you. That was me. <laughs> Now, <laughs> I don't know if we just have some stereotypical, uh, I think those, that was a New York accent going on there. But they mentioned Kevin Brown and Kevin Romine. Well, smart guy. You didn't specify which Kevin Brown you wanted us to compare. And there have been three Kevin Browns to play in the big leagues. So we just assumed that you meant the Kevin Brown that was a catcher from 1996 through 2002 for the Rangers, Brewers, and Blue Jays and Red Sox. <laughs> right. Yeah. So Kevin Romine, of course, was an outfielder for the Red Sox from 1985 through 1991. He is also the father of Andrew and Austin Romine, big leaguers. So Romine was definitely a much better offensive player. He compiled 110 more career hits and 200 more and 20 more RBI and 11 more stolen bases than Brown did. But Brown had more pop hitting seven home runs compared to Romine's five in their careers. And Brown played in 246 fewer games than Romine did. So war-wise, though, Brown finished with a positive .8, while Romine clocked in with a minus 1.0. So I, he's like who I would pull in Wax Packs Heroes. <laughs> uh, Post-baseball, though, besides siring two sons who currently play in the big leagues, Romine went on to be a detective in the Los Angeles Police Department, serving for 21 years before retiring in 2016 with the rank of detective second grade. So, Wow, that's kind of awesome. Yeah, so Brown went on to coach for his alma mater, the University of Southern Indiana. Neither, of course, appeared on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. So with the information on hand, I'm going to give the nod to Kevin Romine. Yeah, I think I got to go with Romine, too. Now, if the caller would have been specific and said the Kevin Brown who pitched from 1990 through 1992 for the Mets, Brewers and Mariners, I would still say Romine was better. But had they specified the Kevin Brown who pitched from 1986 through 2005, was a six-time All-Star, won two ERA titles in a World Series ring, with the 97 Marlins finishing with 211 wins, 2,397 strikeouts, and a 3.28 ERA, I would have gone with that, Kevin Brown. Yeah, those are pretty good numbers. Yeah, those are pretty good. Now, the pitcher and catcher, Kevin Brown, they were never on the Rangers at the same time, unfortunately, because that would have been a great battery. Kevin Brown throwing to Kevin Brown. I would have loved to see what they had to wear on the back of their jerseys. You know, because it would be like Kevin A. Brown and Kevin <laughs> B. Brown or how they would have got around that. But you go just real casual and have one of them be Kev. All right. Now, next, we've got another. I, now, I think this one is, is one of our more troubled listeners. But uh, let's just listen to, to their message first. Gentlemen, thank you for playing the Tommy guy says his name's Lasagna. Uh, kind of a sort of clips from Chips and Police Squad. However, um... I want to point out to you that 
war is not a stat. Okay, so quit talking. And when you say OPS plus, you sound like a damn fool because the P stands for plus. And that's not a stat either. So quit using it. You're making people stupid. You're dumbing down America. All right? Thank you. This is Pete, the Brewers fan. So, Pete, now, Pete, <laughs> if you're going to come at us, you better come at us hard. That yeah, yeah. Now, first of all, I always thought Brewer fans were pretty chill. You got Bob Euchre. You got Bernie the Brewer. You got Harvey's Wallbangers. You, Mark, you've got Robin Yunt. Yes, I do. But Pete, the Brewer fan, you're harshing my, my, my Brewer's mellow here. Okay, so let's address your multiple grievances here first. Now, Pete, I understand you're probably new to baseball. It's okay, man. We all, we're all ignorant at some point. OPS Plus is different than OPS. They are not the same. So today, Pete, you're going to learn something. OPS, you are, you are correct. It is on-base plus slugging. So congratulations there. Now, OPS Plus is the player's OPS adjusted to the league average, which is 100. So if you look at OPS, you get a decimal number. If you look at OPS Plus, there's never a decimal. You know why, Pete? Because they're different statistics. That's how stats with a plus on the end work. The league average OPS is always 100. If someone has an OPS Plus of 125, their OPS is 25% better than the league average. If it is 75, they are 25% worse than the league average. So, well... I believe me, two strike noise. We are dumbing down America. Got it. Oh, yeah. No, I got that right. We can agree on that. But this is not one of those instances. You are confidently incorrect, but it still means that you are incorrect. Well, I can agree that OPS is really not a, a great stat. It does give you two stats that are useful individually. And then using OPS plus, which again, different stat. We know how that works now. Gives you a general yardstick. To measure how that player did versus the rest of the league that year. Now, we've hitched our wagons to baseball reference here because I think their site's easier to navigate and find what I need versus Fangraphs. But let me tell you, Fangraphs has a stat called WOBA, weighted on base. And to me, this is my favorite stat. Has flaws just like every other stat, including war, which 100% a stat. It doesn't mean you have to like it. It's a stat. It tells you some information. Now, the rest of your grievances are a little pedantic, and I'm going to ask that you wait till Festivus to air them. But yes, that's it, proper time. It's that's when you're supposed to do this. This is our 200th show. First of all, I'm worried about Pete. Mark, is somebody holding him hostage and forcing him to listen to this podcast? It, it must be because, uh, and and that's that. Let me just say that's a horrible thing to do. Yeah, to that's is, <laughs> may, Pete might be. In Guantanamo Bay right now, against his will, we don't know. But Pete, we hope you're doing okay. We appreciate you listening. Pete also did not ask a single question or answer a question that we asked. So he just wanted to complain. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, all right. So let's move on. Now, we've already mentioned his name once here because he's uh, one of our longtime loyal listeners. Always answers all of our questions questions and engages so here is uh, here's a, a much better call hey mark and jeff this is your friend brian Krause calling like the fact that your area code is of the hall of fame in cooperstown in new york as far as two players i'd like you to compare my favorite player greg nettles and buddy bell 
And for your second question, what ballpark? I would love to see a game at Ebbets Field. Just history and has a good reputation. So love to hear your take. Thanks much. Keep up the great work. See, that's how you do it, Pete. That was very nice. Thank you very much, Brian. As usual, one of our, our longtime most loyal listeners followed directions. He figured out about the area code, the only one that did that. Yeah. Cooperstown, New York. Comes in strong, answered the trivia question, left us two players, told us a ballpark he'd like to go to. I mean, this is how you do it. That was an expert piece right there. Yeah, I, I think he's a professional. So yes. uh, I also want to thank him because he didn't, he didn't call us anything derogatory. So that's <laughs> thank you the so one, much. The one, the one so far. All right, so first, <laughs> Buddy Bell versus Craig Nettles. Now, I am looking at this purely from a number standpoint because I never saw either of these two guys play. I probably saw a couple of Buddy Bell at bats at the end of his career, but uh, I obviously know who they are. This was fun to look at because they were contemporaries. Nettles playing from 67 to 88 and Bell from 1972 to 1989. Bell hit for better average while Nettles had more power. They both got on base at a decent clip. Uh, like almost all of their counting stats were separated by either 200 or 20, depending on the amount uh, totaled. It was kind of an odd uh, comparison. Their career OPS plus, which of course, we know is different from OPS for some of our more remedial listeners uh, from Milwaukee. Uh, Nettles ended up with a 110 and Bell with a 109. War-wise, equally as close, Nettles had 68, Bell 66.3. I think defense is where separation might I was thinking defense might be where the separation happened here. Looking at WPA, there's quite a gap. Nettles ended up with 17.1 compared to Bell's 5.6, but they were both great defenders. Bell was a five-time All-Star, won six gold gloves and a silver slugger, but never got a chance to play in the postseason. Nettles was a six-time All-Star, won two gold gloves and two World Series rings with the Yankees in 1977 and 78. He was named ALCS MVP in 1981. Nettles won his two gold gloves in 1977 and 78. Then Bell took over and won the next American League third base award from 79 through 84. Bell might get the slight nod over Nettles there on defense, but both just great defenders at the hot corner. Baseball lineage. Bell, of course, is part of a baseball legacy. The son of Gus Bell, the father of David and Mike Bell. He also went on to manage for nine years in the big leagues for three different clubs. Nettles had a brother, Jim, who played in the big leagues as an outfielder for six years and pretty much just the absolute definition of league average. So <laughs> for for our Brewer fan, that would be like a 100 OPS plus learning that stat for the first time. Greg Nettles, his name spelled like Craig, but with a G. And uh, what it said was because mom hated the name Greg and Craig. But yet she combined them to form a, a name that she didn't hate, apparently. I don't know. Okay. Baseball card companies still curse this decision to this day. Many error cards oh, yes. out there with the wrong name on it. Nettles uh, caught using a bat he claims was given to him by a fan that was filled with rubber balls. So let me get this straight. Some random fan hands you a bat and you take it up to the plate in a major league game with it. Totally possible. It could happen. 
Nettles was involved in some very, very memorable brawls in his career. As a Yankee, of course, one of them was against the Red Sox because they always fight, in which he actually broke Bill Lee's collarbone. Spaceman. Wasn't even suspended for it. Uh, Let's see, in 1977, in the playoffs against the Royals, he kicked George Brett at third base, which just led to a huge brawl in the playoffs. Neither player was ejected, and they just continued the game. (laughs) Things were different. Things really were, which was great. I've heard this story told by George Brett. Both George and Greg were uh, pony, you know, pony sponsored them those great pony shoes and uh, apparently after this fight they had a uh, in 19 uh, as i said 77 they had a thing where they had to go somewhere for pony you know as a an appearance and they showed up and they hugged each other it was like nothing had ever happened they they were just two hard-nosed players going at it uh let's see nettles also involved in that ugly san diego atlanta brawl in 1984 i mean he was he was not afraid to scrap No, he never came across as one who uh, had a lot of fear. Uh, And what might be the topper for Puff, which is, okay, maybe the nickname's not that great, but uh, Nettles was on the baseball bunch where he settled a dispute between the bunch and the chicken about throwing the ball around the horn. I'm glad somebody figured that out. Yeah, well, surprisingly enough, the chicken was right here. The kids didn't want to do it. How there have not been any Emmys for acting on this show is a travesty. I really... Completely overlooked. An oversight, yeah. I think I've got to get the edge to Nettles here, but these two players, very similar. Unfortunately, neither of them appeared on Sabrina the Teenage Witch because that would have probably swung it in their direction for sure. But uh, good call on Ebbets Field. I mean, I would love to go to a game. Of course, for me, the Polo Grounds is number one, but Ebbets Field's got to be up there at the top of the list as well. Ebbets Field, uh, every bit of a, of a legend as any field could be. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, a lot of a lot of good stuff, uh, historic stuff happened there. So yeah, so thank you again, uh, thank you Brian for uh, continuing to listen and for leaving a proper message. We got another good message here, so uh, let's get into this one. Hi, Mark and Jeff. This is Marshall Merrims, also known as the Kangaroo Cop. No, I'm not taking you to court today, but I did want to congratulate you both on reaching the 200 podcast milestone. Keep up the dad jokes and the other corny humor while regaling us with baseball stories from the recent and distant past. I do have one question, though. If there was a building erected for the two-strike-noise Hall of Fame for its patron saints, in what city would it be located? All right. Now, corny and dad jokes, are we sure he's listening to our podcast? Well, well, who would do something like that? (laughs) No, no. Marshall, I think, has cost us a lot of money because he he is very eagle-eyed and, I guess, eagle-eared. I don't know. Yes. Uh, Very, you know, he loves to take us to and call us out on the carpet when we we say something wrong. If he were a catcher, we would say you can't get nothing past him. No, you can't. And so this, see, another good quality call. And I just hope that uh, Pete, the Brewers fan is paying attention. Uh, so let's let's go through here. Uh, Two-strike Hall of Fame for our patron saints. Where would it be? Now, i got a couple of cities that came to mind immediately, Mark. Uh, okay. Sheboygan. Yes. One. Sheboygan. Next, truth or consequences, possibly. Oh, yeah. And then my final thought was George Washington. That's another good spot. 
That's that's by Pullman. That's uh, in the eastern part of Washington, but George Washington. I was thinking St. Paul. Yeah, that's very literal, isn't it? Because it has saints, yeah. Yeah. What about St. Louis? Uh, there's already too many things to do in St. Louis. Well, Louis. What about St. Milwaukee? <laughs> no. That's... Yeah, it tastes as good as its name, let me tell you. What about Port St. Lucie? Uh, yeah, that could be. Yeah. You want to be a port city. <laughs> to commerce. We get to think about commerce. You can be an importer exporter. <laughs> Fine latex goods. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, uh, so thank you very much. I thank you for not taking us to court on anything. Now, Marshall, by the way, has sent us curated packs before. So again, this is becoming a P uh, this is becoming my festivus. I just keep airing my grievances about Pete, the brewer fan. Uh, but Pete, you know what to do, man. If you, uh, if you want to get to us, send us that stuff. All right, Mark, I just wanted to, I wanted to do a commemorative. This is, uh, this is show number 200. I wanted to do a commemorative second best. Your second best. Better than most of the rest. Not better than number one. Number one is better than anyone. Nice. But I thought about this, uh, Mark. What is the uh, second best or the second most overrated thing in baseball? Ooh. Now this is wide open because this is I went I went very wide open on this. So I'll, I'll give you a second uh, to to think about it. My most second most overrated thing in baseball is Dodger dogs. They're not good. <laughs> They are not good. The first time I went to Dodger Stadium, I had to have one. They're long and skinny. They don't look good, and they they are nothing that you... I mean, you got to have it once. But after that, there is no reason to ever have another Dodger dog. Just not my... It's not my thing. And I love hot dogs. I have a hot dog every game I go to. Dodger dogs, no thank you. Hmm. Interesting. So what... Uh, you have anything... What's your second most overrated thing in baseball? I, I would have to say, over the top, extremely long national anthems. Was oh it, now, now, are those overrated though? I mean, are people like this is good stuff? Uh, well, I mean, some people could, I guess. Uh, maybe it's maybe I'm just it's nobody just that works. Nobody that works at a ballpark would disagree with you. <laughs> That's a fact, and and don't mess with it either. I mean, you can change it a little bit, but man. You know, don't turn it into a metal song if you don't have to. Oh, just pick the pace up. We don't need to. We yeah, Just pick the pace nobody's up. Nobody's going to give you a record deal f- because you sang it like Whitney Houston. Just get over it. Yeah, that, that's my second. First would be, of course, Blue Jays fans. What's next, man? Oh, I thought you were going to go with Derek Jeter. Oh, okay. no, no, no. Oh, okay. Well, Derek Jeter is third or higher uh, overrated in your list, which is shocking. All right, Uh, Mark, it is time for, uh, well, except we know one person will be tuning out right now, because guess what? We're going to talk about mustaches. We're going to talk about the year 2002, maybe. Uh, It is time for everybody's favorite wax-based 1v1 contest of wills and uh, and desire. That, That sounds a little bit. And scrap that scrap the desire it's time for wax back all 
All right, Mark, the scoreboard is tied up at 16 and 16. I've been losing sleep. Yeah, we played a lot. This is a long season. This is game number 33. Usually you've wrapped it up by now. <laughs> <laughs> but we're playing to 20. Uh, what we're going to do, we're going to open a couple of packs of baseball cards here. Uh, we're going to take the Baseball Reference War of the Year of the Cards. We're going to add those up. A couple of things that can add or subtract anything on the player's face. Glasses, mustaches, eye blacks, uh, mosquito, anything like that. Uh, if they're wearing real stirrups or sweatbands with their caricature or jersey number, any of their final three seasons played for the Seattle Mariners, a batting helmet with no flaps or two flaps, or they're batting without batting gloves. All of those are going to get you an extra tenth of a point. If the mustache is really good and really upsets uh, the Brewers fan, uh, they're going to get two tenths of a point. Any two-in-one stirrups, we don't like those. Uh, it's going to be a minus tenth of a point. Any awards won in the year of the card, Rookie of the Year, Young MVP, All-Star, or they won a gold glove, that's half a point of war. If there's a Hall of Famer on the card, whether they're the focus or not, that's a full point of war. Ricky Henderson appears on anybody's card. I'm going to get five points of war. If it's Nolan Ryan Mark, you get it. And we're both going to pick a team. And uh, if that team shows up, my team shows up, I get an extra half a point. Uh, if it's your team, it's uh, going to go in your column. So what team are you going to go for this year? This year, uh, What team are you going to go for today? The Texas Rangers. Okay. Uh, I am going to, my favorite phone call was from uh, Pete, the Brewers fan. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. <laughs> and since I'm sure that he is still listening to uh, this part of the podcast, I'm going to go with the Brewers. There you go. All right. So, uh, Mark, I have got two different years in my hand here. I've got a 1988 Tops. So uh, shout out to the 1988 Tops podcast. I've got that and I've got a 1989 score pack. Now, which one would you like? Man, I never liked that 89 score, so we'll go 88 tops. All right. Well, good news for you is uh, I can already see the top card, and it's Daryl Strawberry. So uh, <laughs> good for you there. Um, let's see. All right, so I am going to go first because that has been working for me recently here. So I'm going to go with the 89 uh, score here. Uh, let's see. I don't know how many cards are in here. All right. So uh, here goes 1989. My first card is uh, with Cleveland. He went on to become a pitching coach. It is John Farrell. I think he managed as well, but I remember him as pitching coach more. Oh, yeah. Father of Luke Farrell, a uh, pitcher for the Twins. That uh, oh. He hasn't made his debut yet, but uh, Baseball Reference has a projection for this year should he make the the big league roster, but good for him. Let's see, John Farrell in his uh, playing career, eight years Five with Cleveland, two with the Angels, one with the Tigers, 36 and 46 with 4.57 ERA, blah, blah, blah. 89, let's see, he went 9 and 14 for Cleveland with a 3.63 ERA. That's not a good team if that ERA is 9 and 14. 208 innings pitch, 132 strikeouts, 109 ERA plus. Now, for our listeners that might not understand stats, ERA plus is different than ERA, uh, just so you know. Let's see, and all of that is going to equal a war of 3.1. Wow. I will take it. Uh, he also has real stirrups on. Uh, so that's a 3.2 right out of the gate for, for John Farrell. So uh, let's see, as a manager, uh, won the World Series with the Red Sox in 2013, also managed the Blue Jays. His father, Tom, pitched in the Cleveland farm system in the 50s, but had a career and never uh, had an injury and never made it to the big leagues. Hmm. Uh, he has also uh, worked as a lobster farmer and owns a lobster boat called Seaweed. <laughs> wow. 
So, the, I mean, this is the kind of stuff you learn on our podcast. Right. All right. Next, I have got, oh, this is a good card and good player. Catcher for the Phillies, it's Dutch, Darren Dalton. And here he is where he's in mid-swing, and they're wearing the powder blue Phillies uniform. That's a good-looking card right there. That's nice. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Darren Dalton, 14 years in the big leagues. He spent 14 with the Phillies, and then his final season in 97, he was traded to the Marlins at the end of the season, and he got a ring, his only ring. So that's good for him. Uh, Let's see. In 1989 with the Phillies, hit 201. Not that great. Eight home runs, 44 RBI, and a 77 OPS plus, and that equals a war of minus 0.1. You would expect a little bit more than minus 0.1. Let's see. Caught a no-hitter? Terry Mullins. Terry Mulholland's no-hitter, August 15th, 1990 for the Phillies. Wow. In 96, he played. Uh, he only played in five games, all in the outfield. Oh, I don't remember that. that. Yeah. Hmm. Also then went on to play at first base because of his knees, which I remember that. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and we're going to have to. I, I hate to do it, but we're going to have to add Dutch to our do not talk about list. No, uh, he does have a F. Well, he did have a foundation. I don't know. I, you know, unfortunately, Darren Dalton has passed away. Uh, it might still be around. So, you, you know, he was doing some good, but murr, he uh, had some problems with the law. Uh, also authored a book on occultism and numerology. <laughs> wow. OK. And it addresses his own personal experiences with the paranormal. Play the Twilight Zone music right there. <laughs> yeah, so that is uh, that's very interesting. But uh, unfortunately, he passed away in 2017 at the age of 55 uh, due to cancer. So I'm at 3.1. Next, I got pitcher for the Mariners. Good mustache right here. Jerry Reed. Jerry Reed. Boy, I tell you what, I don't remember a lot about Jerry Reed. Yeah, Jerry Reed, not Jody Reed, though they've got the same mustache aesthetic going on there. Uh, Jerry Reed, nine years in the big leagues, five with the Mariners, including his two of his last three seasons. So I got that going for me. Three with Cleveland, two with Philly, one with Boston. 89 with the Mariners, seven and seven with a 3.19 ERA, 101 and two-thirds innings pitched, 50 strikeouts, a 127 ERA plus, and that will equal a war of 1.3. With the Mariners for two years, he's got a mustache, oh, but he does have two and ones. So that would oh. be a 1.5 for me. All right, next. Uh, oh, this is, this, is a good, this is a good looking card here. And it has somebody that should be a Hall of Famer, maybe sliding past him. Uh, catcher for the Yankees, it's Joel Skinner. Now here, Joel Skinner is sliding and Dave Parker is sliding past him at home. It's a good, good card. Parker's helmet's coming off. Skinner's got the eye black, and he's trying to catch a ball that looks like it's up the first baseline. I'm guessing this is spring training because there's a lot of fans really close without shirts on. Uh, so this is uh, Joel Skinner. And uh, Joel, nine years in the big leagues, the son of Bob Skinner, who I think we've talked about this before, outfielder yeah. for, the, uh, for the Pirates most of his career. Let's see, Joel Skinner, nine years... Four with the White Sox, three with Cleveland, three with the Yankees. 1989 with Cleveland, appeared in 79 games, hit 230, one home run, 13 RBI, 62 OPS plus. That will equal a war of minus 0.1. Not cool, but he's got eye black, so that'll kind of wipe that out and uh, just be even. 
Oh, wow. He's been traded for a lot of people we like to talk about. He was traded with Ron Kittle and Wayne Tolleson to the Yankees for Ron Hassey and Carlos Martinez. I know we've talked about every one of those players. Also traded with Turner Ward. Uh, wow. Uh, let me finish the thought here. To Cleveland for Mel Hall, who I think is on our Do Not Talk About list. But uh, he's been involved with trades with, of two people that uh, Ricky Henderson has paid money to uh, get a jersey number off of <laughs> in Turner Ward and Ron Hassey. Uh, all right, next card is a catcher for the White Sox that is not Joel Skinner. It is Mark Salas. Mark Salas bar. Oh, that's a good one. I haven't heard that one. Let's see here. Mark Salas, uh, one of those career backup catchers, eight years in the big leagues, three with the Twins, two with the Tigers, and then one for a bunch of different teams. In 1989 with Cleveland, only appeared in 30 games, hit 221, two home runs, seven RBI, 82 OPS plus, and that is a war of minus 0.2. Yikes, nothing on, nothing on the card is going to help me either. All right, next I've got pitcher for the Blue Jays. He's got a good mustache here. It is Jim Clancy. Jim Clancy. Uh, he wrote a lot of books about, like, Jack Ryan and stuff, right? Yeah, was that him? Yeah, hmm. I'm pretty sure that was him. Yeah. Uh, let's see, James Clancy, 15 years in the big leagues, 12 of it with Toronto. He was an all-star once in uh, 1982. 1989, he was with the Astros, where he went 7-14 and 14 with a 5.08 ERA. I'm not liking this. 67 oh, ERA plus. And uh, that is a minus 2.7 war. Wow. Wow. That is... Uh, that's a rough one. That's a something. Yeah, that's a, that's a thing. Uh, he's got a mustache, so it'll only be a minus 2. Po- it'll only be a minus 2.6. <laughs> so uh, that one kind of set me back there. Next, I've got a pitcher. Now, the good news for me is uh, this dude has got real stirrups. He's got a mustache, and he's on the Brewers. It is Mike Birkbeck. I remember Mike Birkbeck, sure. I don't, and that's a that's a pretty unique last name. Uh, let's see, Mike Birkbeck, six years in the big leagues, four with Milwaukee, two with the Mets. In uh, 1989 with Milwaukee, he went 0-4 with a 5.44 ERA, Ooh. 71 ERA plus, and uh, a minus .5 war. Now, fortunately for me, he's on the Brewers, so that, that's a plus five, and then the mustache and the stirrup. So I'll actually get a plus two, .2 out of it, but still, that's not much. I'm not really going the right way here. All right, next, uh, here with the Dodgers, wearing Mims bands, and he's got a mustache, so that'll help me out a little bit at least. It's Franklin Stubbs. Franklin Ticket Stubbs. Cadillac was his nickname. Nice. Guess any a little mustard on him. Uh, let's see, 10 years in the big league, six with the Dodgers in 1989 with L.A., 69 games, 291, batting average 387 on base, four home runs, 15 RBI, and a 145 OPS plus, and that'll get me .9 plus the uh, the two-tenths of a point bonus there will be a 1.1. First round pick, 19th overall by the Dodgers in 1987, and a member of the Virginia Tech Sports Hall of Fame. Oh, he's a hokey. Isn't that what uh, somebody said about our jokes earlier? <laughs> I think it's a different type of hokey. Oh, okay. And not to be confused with a hoagie. Oh, okay. I'm hungry, so that did. Yeah. All right. Uh, down to my final card. I am at 3.1, which is an anemic total. Uh, my uh, This is a good card here It's because it's a catcher. It is none other than uh, catch for the Giants. Kurt, what is that man wearing? <laughs> Kurt man wearing. Yeah. Now, I'll, I'll explain what's going on in this card in a minute, but let's get through it here first. 
Kurt Mann wearing 13 years in the big leagues, 10 with the Giants, 3 with the Rockies, uh, part of a season with the Astros. In 1989, 85 games, he hit 210, 264 on base, no home runs, 18 RBI. That's a 50 OPS plus and a minus 0.1 war. Uh, now, he's got a batting helmet here with no ear flaps because he's a catcher and he's catching. So I'm going to I'm going to take it and make it an even. Now, this is a great car because he is blocking home plate. He has got the ball in his hand. There is a Cincinnati Reds pitcher trying to barrel him over. I can tell it's a pitcher because they're wearing a jacket. This is definitely at Candlestick. It's a day game, but it's still cold. This is just a good-looking card right there, but uh, it's not going to help me out in any way whatsoever. That's unfortunate for you, man. Yeah, this was uh, not my best game. 3.1. Now, I'm thinking you might be able to beat that on your first card. (laughs) It's possible. Let's see what happens. All right. So, uh, Mark, you have got the 89 tops here. You're going to start right off here with a guy we've had before. I remember him. I always say it as a Dodger more than anything, but it's Greg Brock with the Brewers. So I like that. That's a minus 0.5 already for you. Now, I notice his mom is okay with the name Greg spelled. Yeah, (laughs) it's okay. (laughs) Let's see. uh, Gregory Allen Brock, 10 years in the big league, split at five with the Dodgers, five with the Brewers. 1988, 115 games with Milwaukee, 212 average, six home runs, 50 RBI, six stolen bases, and 80 OPS plus. And that is a .5 war. He is on the Brewers, so uh, that'll Mm. just be a zero out for you because the Brewers are the team that I picked. Yep. Well, that didn't work so well for me. Let's try another one, shall we? All right. Well, let's see if, yeah, if you can, if you can uh, do a little bit better here. Stanford alumni with the Rangers, Steve Bouchelle. Steve Bouchelle, I think of um, Texas Rangers. Yeah, definitely Texas. And uh, the fact that he was John Elway's uh, roommate at Stanford right. as a baseball player. Boo, let's see. 11 years in the big leagues, eight with the Rangers, four with the Cubs, two with the Bucks. 1988 with Texas, 155 games. He hit 250, 342 on base. Had 16 home runs, 58 RBI, and a 107 OPS plus. Wow, very consistent. The next year, he also hit 16 home runs and drove in 59 RBI. Just one different there. Overall, a 4.3 war. Wow, that puts me in the lead. Yeah, he also has real stirrups. So. <laughs> So you have uh, right now you've already uh, exceeded my score by 1.3. And I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to recover uh, from that first round draft pick by the White Sox in 79, but did not sign. Hmm. He's like, nah, first round, not good enough. All right. We already talked about the the John Elway stuff. Uh, Next, you have got a White Sox third baseman outfielder. It says nothing about him pulling down his pants at first base, but it is psycho Steve Lyons. Steve Lyons, of course, born in Tacoma, Washington. Also went to Oregon State. He did. Well, yeah. first round draft pick by the by the Red Sox in 1989. Let's see. Uh, Psycho, nine years in the big leagues. Five with the White Sox. Five with the Red Sox. He liked the Sox. He's, yes. uh, you, if you've got Sox in your name, he's going to spend five years there. Also played a single year for Montreal and then Atlanta in 1988 with the White Sox. 144 games. Uh, wow, he played not in as many positions as he played the next three years, but he played everywhere. Uh, 146 games, 269 average, 313 on base, five home runs, a 45 RBI, a 92 OPS plus, and a 1.4 war. 
Uh, just this is a head and shoulder shot during BP, so really nothing else going on there for uh, for Psycho. So that'll just be a 1.4. Yeah, you chose the Rangers, and uh, Steve Buschel is on the Rangers. I forgot about oh, that. There we go. So I got to uh -huh. add, as if you weren't already running away with it, I'll give you another half a point <laughs> of war. Uh, you're at 6.3 compared to my 3.1. All right. Well, we're not going to talk about Steve uh, Lyons. He's uh, he's going to go in the but we're the whole wax packs hero segment is going to be on the do not talk about list pretty soon. Uh, all right, you're at six point three. Uh, you're going to get big points from this. This is one of the best closers of the day. The Terminator, Tom Hankey. We talked a little bit about Tom Hankey a few weeks back and how you know his name really never comes up, but man, he was he was awesome. He was five, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 311 career saves. Wow, you just missed out because 87 was his all-time career year leading the league in, in uh, saves with 34. Uh, but 88, nothing to shake a stick at. Four and four, 2.91 ERA, 25 saves, 68 innings pitch, 66 strikeouts, and a 135 ERA+. plus. That will be a war of 1.4. Of course, he's got those science teacher glasses on, so that'll be 1.5. I don't think he's related to uh, the Christmas poo at all, is he? <laughs> no, 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 Mr. Hanky. Yeah. No. Okay. Uh, drafted by the Cubs in the first round in 1980. Didn't sign. You've got two guys that were drafted in the first round and said, you know what? I'm going to pass. <laughs> uh, there's a apparently a ragtime song called the Tom Hanky Rag. Okay. Uh, also, uh, I have not seen this Aqua Velva commercial that he was in. Going to have to track that down. I, I, I've seen several Aqua Velva commercials with baseball players. But All right, uh, you're killing it here. Next, you've got uh, for the White Sox pitcher, Richard Dotson. Uh, he went on to host uh, Family Feud, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, that's the guy. He kissed everyone in sight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was on uh, The Running Man. Yeah, I think that was. <laughs> Richard Dotson, yeah. Let's see. Rich, 12 years in the big leagues, 10 with the White Sox, two with the Yankees, one with the Royals, 1988 with the Yankees, 12 and 9, 5.0 ERA, 171 innings pitched, 77 strikeouts, 79 ERA plus, And that is good for a minus 0.1 war. Whoa. Uh, he does have real stirrups here, so it's going to just be a wash for you there. First round pick by the Angels. He did sign. Uh, also at one point traded for Mark Salas, who was also... Uh, he, he, was in, in a, he was in my pack. He was in your pack. Yeah. Weird. All right. Next, you have got a uh, Oakland Athletic here. Uh, it is Jay Howell. Jay was a pretty solid relief pitcher. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, 15 years in the big leagues, five with the Dodgers, three with Oakland, three with the Mets, and then a whole bunch of other teams for single seasons. 1988 with the Dodgers. So he got a ring that year. Five and three, 2.08 ERA. Jeez. Uh, 21 saves, 65 innings pitch, 70 strikeouts, a 162 ERA plus. That's a good season right there. And that will equate to a 2.0 war. Uh, nothing on this card is going to help you out, but that's a whole two points. You're at 9.8 now. So I need you to lose six whole points of war. It might be rough. In just a couple of cards. Yeah. I can tell you that, uh, of course, uh, he was involved in a trade. Uh, he went, uh, he's traded by the Yankees with Tim Burtzis, Stan Javier, Eric Plunk, and Jose Rio to the A's for somebody named Ricky Henderson. <laughs> All right, you've got three cards left. I uh, This is a very suspenseful one. Uh, next, you've got Huey Brooks with the Expos. Huey. 
Let's see. Hubie Brooks played for 15 years in the big league. Six with the Mets, five with the Expos. A couple of other teams for short stints. And 88 with Montreal. 151 games. 279. Average 318 on base. 20 home runs. 90 RBI. And a 115 OPS plus. And all of that equals a 2.6. Wow. Wow, that's Wasn't pretty, expecting that. Yeah, I'm, I'm tempted to give you an extra tenth of a point because he's got the great Expos powder blue uniform and the pinwheel batting helmet on. And it <laughs> just it, there's a lot of Expos going on here. Uh, let's see. Hubie was drafted one, two, three, four, five, six times over a span of 1974 through 1978. Of those six times, five of them he was drafted in the first round. Wow. He was picked fifth, 14th, second, third, and third overall by the Expos, Royals, White Sox, A's, White Sox again, and then finally he signed with the Mets after they picked him third overall in the 78 draft. Wow, talk about just being sought after as a prospect. Yeah, he was very highly thought of. Eventually, he was traded by the Expos to the... uh, He was traded in a uh, trade between the Mets and the Expos that uh, the Expos sent Gary Carter to New York. Next, you've got uh, got two cards left here with the Reds. It is, I think, even with the Royals, but he's got some good stirrups here. It's Kurt Stilwell. Kurt Stilwell, nine years in the big leagues, uh, four with the Royals. 1988, he was an all-star, so you're going to get more points for that. All-star with Kansas City, 128 games played, 251 average, 322 on base, 10 home runs. 53 RBI, a 101 OPS plus, and that will be a 2.7 war. He was an all-star, so that'll be a 3.2 plus the stirrups is a 3. Kurt Stillwell beat me. (laughs) 3.3 for Kurt Stillwell. Just just Kurt on his own. Yeah. First round draft pick, second overall in 1993. Boy, you got a lot of first rounders today in his packs. Father Ron played for the Washington Senators in the 60s. And uh, let's see, your final card is, uh, with the Orioles, Ken Gerhardt. Now, this... this H-A-R-T, right? <laughs> G-E-R-H-R-T. Three years in the big leagues, all with Baltimore. Frankly, this card, it looks like he's just come out in batting practice, and uh, somebody happened to snap his picture. He is thrilled that somebody's taken his picture here. Overall, let's see, three years in the big leagues, uh, all with Baltimore. 1988, his... 103 games he appeared in, which is a career high. Hit 195 with a 2.56 ERA, nine home runs. Wow, he hit 14 home runs the year prior with nine, in 92 games. But in 88, nine home runs, 23 RBI, a 69 OPS plus, and that is a minus .6 war. I don't think that's going to do it for me. Yeah. I think I just missed out. Uh, let's see, that'll take you to a 15.1, which is higher than my 3.1. Yes, just barely. But yeah, that that will put you uh, up to 17 wins. You're now three away from clinching. Something I I found that's kind of interesting here. I looked up Ken Gearhard on accident, and he's an interesting sort. He's a cryptozoologist that wrote uh, the book, um, The Real Wolfman. So I just thought I'd share that. Okay. It has nothing to do with baseball at all. I just, (laughs) I accidentally looked up the wrong guy. The Real Wolfman, like Wolfman Jack or... Well, I think being a cryptozoologist, he's probably after Bigfoot. Oh, okay. That's All right. So there you go, Mark. Congratulations. Uh, and there you go. That is going to wrap up this rendition of 
Wax Packs Heroes on show number 200. It's also just going to wrap up the the podcast as a whole. But uh, we do want to say thank you to everybody who uh, has been listening. I know we've got some people that have listened to every episode, and I'm not sure why. Apparently one of them is in Guantanamo Bay and being forced to listen <laughs> to our uh, our podcast. And uh, we, we, we hey. hope that they're doing many okay. people would consider it torture yeah so you gotta is. watch that and we're dumbing down people we do knew that we you know we knew that already but if you do want to get a hold of us uh, we're going to leave this phone number up it is uh area code 607-213-8811 give us a call let us know uh what stat you think we're using that isn't a stat that actually is but uh, go ahead do that uh call us leave us uh comments concerns queries uh, math questions, anything like that, we'll we'll take them all. Also, you can find us on the social medias. We're at Two Strike Noise. That is at T W O Strike Noise. Any social media you go to, just about. Well, not TikTok. We're not on. We're not on TikTok or OnlyFans. Uh, but at you know, just search for Two Strike Noise. You'll find us wherever you're looking. Mark, we also have an email address that you like to look at. Sure, you can write us at Two Strike Noise, spell it out, T-W-O, Strike Noise, at gmail.com. All right, that's going to do it. Show number 200. Now, Mark, if we get to show number 400, I think something's wrong. That'll be, so. yeah, that would be something, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'll be something. But, you know, we're going to try for it. We're going to keep going, and uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in and listening and uh, even you know, yelling at us. We appreciate everybody. So uh, we will see you again next week on the next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you all. Have a great day.